college student Beth and her sorority sisters are stalked by an escaped psychopath killer who shares a strange telepathic link with her. This week, we dive into Sorority House Massacre. I'm Joe. I'm Devin. And welcome to Partners in Fright. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have Devin's pick this week, and this is a 1986 slasher flick. That you can be found for free on Tubi. Yay! So this is actually technically part of the Slumber Party Massacre series. Um, Universe or series? Is it like a direct? I so this is a spinoff. Oh, oh, okay. So I don't know how you would count that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I also believe that it was the first horror series spinoff or like spinoff movie directed by a woman. I'm talking horror spinoff. I'm not talking. Like, right, right. But anyway, okay. so it doesn't really have a connection to Slumber Party Massacre 2, which we previously reviewed um, because that one was directed by Martin Scorsese. Deborah Brock. <laughs> ah, that was close. But the director of this movie, Sorority House Massacre, was directed by Carol Frank, and she was the co-director on the first Slumber Party Massacre. Interesting. That's cool. I like how there's like spin-offs going back like what, 40 years now? Yeah. Um and so this one was actually co-directed. The other director was Jim Winorski, which I had a blast looking up his filmography mm -hmm. uh, because he also did such notable classics as Attack of the 50 Foot Cam Girl, their <laughs> <laughs> the, the Bear Wench Project, and The Hills Have Thighs. <gasps> so, logging all these. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> you ever play that game of like switching a word out in a movie? Title to make it seem yeah. a little more risque. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Hills Have Thighs. The Bear Wench Project, I That's shit you clever. not, has like three films. Really? I don't I don't know like where the funding came from for that. Oh, I love it. Also, fun fact, when I was looking on the Wikipedia page, so uh, don't quote me on this because I don't know how reliable this particular Wikipedia page is. Mm -hmm. uh, Norman Reedus said in an interview that he was adapting this movie for a TV series. And I also thought that was a fun connection to Pandorum, which we recently reviewed because Norman Reedus was briefly in that. For like two minutes. Yeah. yeah. I will be honest, though. I picked this movie solely for length. Oh, yeah, it's a shorty. It's like an hour. It's under an hour 15, I believe. Yeah. Easily digestible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. It's straightforward. What more do you want? Yeah, this movie does not have layers, which some I've said this before. Sometimes it's not it's, like an onion. No donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my swamp. <laughs> no, it's nice to sometimes throw on a movie and just not think like you know exactly what turn, you're gonna get exactly turn off your brain and enjoy the ride so how was your week i am the worst person to ask how my week was 
because uh, I got a week back that I got about a week back. <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> you were setting me up. I knew you were. <laughs> uh, yeah, I threw my back out uh, Tuesday. It's now Saturday. And I just now feel okay. Mm-hmm. I've been there. It's a pain in the ass. Like, you must hide it extremely well. Or our pain tolerances are very different. Because this was, like, labor bad for me. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know labor bad. But... And you're like, I know exactly what you're going through. And I'm like, do you? Because, like... I've been put up for, like, a week and on muscle relaxers. I know, but they don't do anything for you. No. You're this weird medical anomaly where like no medication ever works correctly for you. The thing that was most effective is when I got my wisdom teeth out. They're like, "Okay, we're going to put in this IV. How you feeling?" I'm like, "I'm feeling pretty." <laughs> and I was out. <laughs> that stuff was good. <laughs> Yeah, and then you wouldn't even take the prescription painkillers they gave you. Uh, yeah, I, ibuprofen, that's it for me. And how, how was your week? I was just going to say, anyways, my week was good. I want to start incorporating stuff that I'm reading just real quickly because um, we're both like really big readers, um, but I, I read horror mostly. Devin's more like YA and... I would say not YA anymore. I mostly no? read like romance. Okay. So I am at the very tail end of, I would say it is historical nonfiction. And it's called The Radium Girls by Kate Moore. And it is scary because it's real. <laughs> it actually happened. And you had a nightmare about it, right? Mm, oh my God. Yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever had a nightmare from a book before. So long story short, uh, this book chronicles the lives of um, these women who, starting around World War One in Orange, New Jersey, they would paint like glow-in-the-dark numbers and dials on watches and clocks for soldiers overseas. Um, and at the time, they were using radium, which now we know is very very dangerous for the human body but back then they didn't know shit at first and so these women were dipping these little paintbrushes uh in the paint painting the dials and they would clean off the paintbrushes with their lips because it was most effective and how they got paid was by the watches that they finished and each watch had to be perfect there couldn't be any smudges or anything so some time goes by and one by one, these women, they start getting sick with different symptoms and it affects people differently at different rates. Um, and no one has ever experienced or seen anything like this before. And it gets into the company doing whatever they can to cover up this. And even back then, <laughs> over a hundred years ago, you had companies protecting their investments and their money over lives of workers. And you even had lawyers and doctors back then who were like, you know, raging against the capitalism 
or capitalistic system that that we have and it's wild how things have changed and not changed but as the book goes on it, it gets into like just these women like dying off one by one and trying to hang on day by day until there's like a court ruling so they can get money for the family and there's like amputations and I just finished a part of a story where one of the girls was she pulled out bones of her jaw from her mouth and she brought him into court to show people and even the lawyers for the company was like mm, well you know you got sick after you worked here so it doesn't really count we shouldn't have to pay up and I don't know. It's wild. I have like an hour left, but it's it's a really good read. Um I don't do I don't do too much um like historical nonfiction, but I highly recommend it. That's crazy and also shitty like how long it must have taken to like figure out what was happening. Yeah, and the author did a really good job at um I mean she had to do a shit ton of research, but you got to know first dentists because um, the first thing would happen is their teeth would start falling out because that's the source of where the radium would enter the body. And then these girls would go to different physicians and they would have different parts of their body being affected. Some would have like a to, like a sarcoma tumor on their oh head. This makes my skin crawl. I can't. Okay. I can't. Anyways, all right. My my dream though. I had I had a dream that my teeth were like oh. were getting all like loosey goosey, and I could feel them wobbling oh. in my mouth, and I could pull them out, and it was oh my god, it was wild. So that's what I'm reading that in Akatar right now. I'll talk for days about Akatar. I think I'm. Maybe like halfway through chapter 15, but um, so yeah, two opposite ends of the spectrum. But most of the time I read horror and um, so I think I'm going to incorporate like what I'm reading here and there. Did I ever tell you about how they <laughs> had to pull me out of my second grade class when we were reading a thousand paper cranes because I couldn't handle reading about like radiation effects yeah you have told me this do, <laughs> do you want to go a little bit more into that for the listeners at home I, I don't really think there's much more to go into has that book affected you the most oh i don't i don't know i never finished it <laughs> you never finished it no because oh, i wow. like physically could not read it. i honestly got so much anxiety mm. from it i i'm very much like a medical like physical anxiety person. Mm -hmm. I, I can watch like, you know, I, like we can watch this stuff, like <laughs> slasher stuff. And yeah. I'm like, whatever, it's fine. But if I read like medical stuff, I'm like, oh, like even though logically I'm like, I have never come into contact with radium, mm -hmm. but I'm like, what if I have and my teeth start falling out and then yeah. I have... Man, yeah, there's two, like, this This book was the, like I said, it's the only book that has ever given me a nightmare. Ugh. Um, and last year, there was a book that I, I couldn't read another book for, like, two weeks after I finished it. Usually, I can just dive into another book. Um, but there's a book called On the Beach by Neville Shute that I've never had, like, an existential fucking, like, crisis after 
reading a book. And that is just like a submarine commander down in Australia. This is like in the 50s or right after World War II and bomb nuclear bombs went off everywhere. Every country, everyone is is dead and there's this huge um, nuclear like fallout cloud and it's reaching Australia and it's just about just people like living their lives and coming to terms with the end and like families are taking they would go to like nowadays CVS they would go to like a pharmacy and they would just get these pills just like they're buying cough medicine and the families would just take the pills to you know end it together and it was just very nonchalantness about it. Is that a word? Nonchalantness? If it's not, I'm going to create it. But um, yeah, after I read that, I was just, that took me a bit to um, swallow and process. So we live not like super close by, but there's like a nuclear power plant, mm -hmm. I guess, near us. Do you know where I'm talking about? The, uh, like the we're not going to expose where we live. Oh, okay. But yes. do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think okay. I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they give out like pills, um, on like a yearly basis or something, or like whenever they expire. I don't know, but like the like the citizens who are in like a certain radius of that plant, like they get pills and shit just in case, just in case right. the plant <laughs> right. blows up. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. Yeah. I bet those housing prices are down. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Only God. place we can afford. Okay. Well, let's dive into this movie. Sorority, Sorority House, House Massacre. Massacre. Okay. We did not plan that. I just want to say <laughs> that happened very uh, authentically. Okay. Uh, so we open the film with a woman named Beth who we previous. Oh, wait, hang on. Shit, I already messed up. Okay, we open the film with a woman and maybe a man in a psychiatric hospital. It seems like they're having like parallel experiences a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we learn that the woman we saw is named Beth. She is, it seemed to me like she was just spending kind of like a trial weekend in this sorority house to see if she actually wanted to join but when I read the like descriptions and the summary of the movie, it all said that she joined the sorority. So I don't know if my impression was wrong. Mm -hmm. I was in a sorority. Oh, yeah, you know that. Oh, I, I know that. Yeah. I was in a sorority. <laughs> well, uh, tell them your nickname. <laughs> sour Patch. Because <laughs> first I'm funny. salty, then I'm sweet. Or sour. First I'm sour, then I'm sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was not in a sorority. That's uh, it. <laughs> there's actually, um, by the way, my sorority life did not go very well. I like left after a year, or not even a year. It's complicated. All yeah, right? but there was no slashing. That's true. So you're good that's there. That's a plus. Um, Living, that's a plus. On TikTok right now, I don't know how popular it is because I feel like I don't know. There's so many different like microcosms on TikTok. I don't even know if I'm using that word correctly, but like each person has their own little like for you page. And so like something that I see 
that I think is popular because it has like 8 million views or whatever. Joe has no idea what I'm talking about. So I don't actually know how popular this video is, but Mm -hmm. I think it's by this user named like Haley. And like these poor girls are just trying to like live their fucking lives. But like, it's really cringy. It's like a rush video for their sorority. And it's just like, I gotta tell you, 120 white girls who have all self-tanned themselves extremely dark and just like right. doing choreographed dances. And it's just so hard to watch. And everybody's like stitching it with like, wow, the diversity. I love to see it. Oh no. And like, <laughs> just, oh, it's really bad. And I, like I said, these poor girls are probably just like trying to fucking live their sorority lives. And it's fine. The self-tanning is fine, but it's just really, <laughs> it's really cringy. And then yeah. I discovered that this is a whole, this is a whole universe on TikTok of like these sororities posting like rush videos. And they're all really? this, they're all the same thing. They're like all at least a hundred girls dancing on staircases, like in choreographed TikTok videos. And like some of them, like, oh my God, it's, it's just bad. <laughs> But I can't stop watching them. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of those on... I'm going to send you all of these, by the way, okay. when we stop recording. You know, I, I don't know if I told you this, but when I was in college, I, I was never in a, like, a frat or anything. And I thought, maybe, am I doing it wrong? Like, Have you ever gotten that feeling? Yeah, I mean... Because I, I mean, I the only up... reason that I rushed the sorority that I did was because it was like vastly different than any mm. pre-existing like notions I had about what a sorority is. Like it was right. not stereotypical. Okay. The girls were like very down to earth and like normal. Um, I don't know if that was made possible by just the type of school that I went to or mm-hmm. what, but. Yeah, I mean, I I went to six different colleges, and <laughs> yeah. um, I definitely would say I wouldn't have tried rushing at like a large state school. I I mean, to each their own. If that's your thing, then go for it. I never found the appeal. You to also that, like that life or like that scene. I guess you were never like. I feel like when you think frats, you think like drinking. And you were never a big drinker. Mm-mm, no. And you're also not like a bro. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I'm glad. It just, I don't know. That seems like a very exhausting way to spend your time, I guess. I don't know. As an introvert, I would say it does look very exhausting. As an extrovert, it is. If I can, It looks very exhausting, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have no idea where I was. Okay. Uh, Beth enters the sorority house and it looks like we flash back to a younger Beth in the same or similar house and there's three little girls outside telling her to be careful. This is very like Nightmare on Elm Street. They're like Mm -hmm. coloring with chalk on the sidewalk and they're like, be careful going in there. And then Beth (laughs) ends up going in and she walks through the house and there's like a shit ton of things dripping blood and it seems like it might be a possible dream sequence. And then in my notes, I wrote, yep, it's definitely a dream sequence. 
So she wakes <laughs> up in her room and we meet Sarah who asks about a scar on Beth's arm and she said that she can't remember how she got it. And I'm super digging Beth's style. She had like this black and white checkered flannel on during the whole movie mm. and she paired it with um I think like a pink jacket or cardigan on top and some kind of like checkered pants. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um we flash back to the guy in the psychiatric hospital and he breaks out of his restraints. And then back at the sorority house, we learn that Beth's mom died and she has been raised by her aunt. Also, regarding the fashion, Sarah is wearing this incredible two-piece and it's like white with these really like loud colors of like fruits. So mm-hmm. there's like pineapples and strawberries all over like her top and her skirt. Yeah. It was great. I think they should sell that now. Yeah? Yeah. Would you wear it? I I personally would not wear that. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to see someone else wear it so I could live vicariously. All right. So all the girls are leaving to go to class. Beth forgets a book. So she heads back upstairs to grab a different book. And she sees a man standing in the mirror with a knife. And he kind of like 3D stabs the mirror. Like his knife comes through the other side of the mirror. Yeah, it was wild. And then like blood would, like he would stab into like the real world, I'll just say, quote unquote. And And then then there was like like blood. Yeah, on the inside of the real world mirror. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, she looks again, I guess, but there's nothing there. She also hallucinates a knife coming through her desk later on during class. And then this guy named Andy gives us some like foreshadowing by by (laughs) talking about how brain waves work, I guess. I don't really understand what class they were in. I guess it was psychology. And he says that there was this study they did on cats where they separated the kittens from their mother by hundreds of miles, and then the mother cat cried at the exact moment that they killed her kittens. So I think we were just trying to get a hint at the psychic link here. Yeah, it was a little hard to follow. Um, Also, I timed this. There was nine minutes and 30 seconds of straight 80s synth music, like score. Oh, underneath everything? Yeah. Really? And it was so loud and distracting. Wow, I didn't, I didn't notice it at all. Uh, every every eighty slasher horror movie we watch now, I think it's that generation's like, um, the like conjuring the, yeah, that weird. Uh, I don't know what that machine uh, is called. Yeah, that, that instrument. weird instrument that they made. Yeah, there's like you can do like twenty different noises with it, like with strings and haunted like. With the old school, yeah. like when you wobble the sheet of metal and it sounds like whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know. Maybe I was just really in the mood for like 80s because I didn't notice it at all. Although you're a musician, so you might pick up on that. Yeah, it was just a little overpowering. Also, there's a scene where the girls are walking to school and you can hear their. Uh, do you know what Foley artists are? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure they had artists do the uh, heels walking on the cement. Mm-hmm. But it was so loud compared to their dialogue. Mm-hmm. I was a little distracted. And, oh, the hospital real quick. The orderlies, they have, like, scrubs. They're 
name tags, it, it's just tape. The one guy, you can see part of it kind of like peeling off a little bit. Oh, really? It's just taped on and it was like PVH or something. I the saw the name tag, but I didn't notice that they were peeling off. <laughs> yeah. Good catch. So back in the psych ward, this guy undergoes a test where I guess his main psychiatrist named Dr. Lindsay asks him questions and then they find out he became quote unquote active when dreaming of this girl named Laura. They hooked him up to this machine where they could like read his brain waves or something, kind of like a lie detector test. And it went like off the charts when she was like, oh, did you dream of someone? And his brain was like, yes. And then, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And then she was like, oh, was it Laura? And then he was like, yes. So that's how we found out how that worked. (laughs) (laughs) Beth hallucinates a man in the house again with a knife. And she also sees two dead people in the living room with like an ax sticking out of them. And on the other end of things this is when the guy is on the machine he's like hooked up the guy in the psych ward yells and it's like their brains are connected because then she wakes up Mm -hmm. oh then we get this wonderful montage scene which is uh no 80s movie is complete without a montage scene and this one the girls are just trying on a bunch of clothes while beth sits on the sidelines and i I wrote, this is a canon event for any lesbian. Let's be honest, Beth Beth is kind of stereotypical Yeah. Uh, in her presentation, let's just say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, like, same girl. I mean, I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The music that they use for this montage is so, like, poppy and innocent. And they're, like, just full-blown, like, half-naked. Just the juxtaposition between those two. Yeah. Between seeing and hearing those things, I I don't know. My brain was like starting to malfunction, I guess. I I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so on the other side of things, we see that the psych ward guy kills a nurse and escapes. And at this point, I was like, this is very Halloween coded. The whole movie, I feel like. Yeah, especially the classroom scene Mm -hmm. where... And they do the same thing with like uh, it follows kids where in the- she like gasped and then all the kids turned and looked at her. Oh, I was thinking more so you're sitting towards the back of the class and you're like doing your work and you kind of just like gaze outside the window and you see the creature or the person staring at you like across the courtyard. It's always that shot. Well, she didn't see him across the courtyard. She saw a knife come through her desk. Or did she see that before the knife came through her desk? I thought she saw some a quick like flash of somebody okay. before. I might have been looking down. Um, while her friends are like naked, Beth divulges her dream to them. <laughs> uh, we learn the other three girls' names: um, Sarah, Linda, and Tracy. I love how right before that, they're the only girls in the house, so they're like, "Let's eat Melanie's ice cream." Oh, I have an idea. Let's try on Cindy's clothes. It's a once in a lifetime thing. And then that's when they start doing their like little fashion show. I don't know. They're so they were so eager to 
It's like the parents are away. Yeah. You know? That has no appeal to me. I was just thinking about like whether or not I would do something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate trying on clothes. Okay, so now Psych Ward Guy is out and free. He goes to a hardware store and breaks into the glass case filled with knives. And the store owner gives an amazing performance when he dies. <laughs> he just he makes this noise where he's just like, uh, and then like falls over <laughs> and he makes it again. It's like a tickle. And then he just dies. <laughs> the girls end up going through a dream decoder like book mm-hmm. and picking out like all of the things from her dream. And they basically get to the bottom of it and like tell her that she's afraid of having sex because the knife is a phallic symbol. And she, like, keeps getting scared of them. (laughs) Then all the boyfriends come over. Psych Ward guy steals a car. So he's now mobile. And, like, this is literally just Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. (laughs) Craig, Andy, and John decide to stay. These are the boyfriends. Um, But Steve really wants to go rafting, so he leaves. I have not (laughs) seen Barbie yet, but I really feel like this is, like, Ken- territory I here. am so glad you brought this up um the actress who plays Beth uh-huh. after this movie she opened up her own uh like prop I guess company oh cool and she worked on the Barbie movie no way she's the she was the prop master for Barbie oh my god mm-hmm. that's so fucking cool I'm glad you brought that up all right so the boys and girls go inside They start a fire, and they try to turn the lights on, and the girls think that the boys turned off, like, a fuse or something Mm -hmm, because they wanted to get them alone in the dark. And the guys are, like, confused, but also kind of taking credit for it. Right. And no one's questioning why the lights are not working. Which, to be fair, though, like, I don't know why the lights aren't working at this point because he's not even, like, around. Yeah, yeah, at this point... He's, like, driving there. Yeah, he's still in his car on his way there. And it's funny seeing these 30-year-old actors portraying, like, what, 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds yeah. just in college? It's just, I don't know. This with the acting is <laughs> uh, kind of entertaining for, I don't know, I guess the wrong reasons. So the hospital finally figures out that this guy has escaped and they call the cops. And I I did get the impression that this was going to be like our Loomis, but that did not mm. follow through. Yeah. I was a little sad about that. This whole time, we never see Psych Ward's face. Did you notice that? It was always behind his head or just barely like a quarter shot that's true we've been seeing the guy's face in beth's dream right which i can't imagine anyone seeing this movie and not putting two and two together immediately yeah i i kind of feel like they shouldn't have shown his face in her in her dreams i feel like that would have been a little more worthwhile when she can make that connection later on right and then you find, you as the audience find out that that person she's dreaming of is Mr. Psych Ward. Yeah, or even the reverse. Like, she doesn't 
see the face in her dreams, but we see the psych ward face. Mm. Ooh, yeah, I like that. I don't know. Something to think about. <laughs> okay, so John, the girlfriendless guy, he's like the guy that's single that they just decided to invite because then somebody would be partnered with Beth. Even though I'm fully convinced Beth is a lesbian. Although maybe that was a hairstyle for the 80s. I mean, it was, but I don't know. She seemed very, like, tormented and in her own mind and, like... Are you saying that the gays are tormented, Joe? <laughs> you're putting things in my mouth. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, no. the Yes, that was one of the hairstyles back then. Yeah. Um, But she seemed the whole movie since scene one she she seemed like she has her guard up mm. or she has some like some trauma that she's not ready to well she does convey uh, but also i think i just remembered um she reminds me of this lesbian i follow on tiktok so that's probably why i'm making that connection there. oh really <laughs> But there is a case to be made for her sitting out of the trying on clothes montage mm -hmm. and just like watching them all. That I, was very queer. I don't coded. know. If she was kind of. I don't mm. know. For for me, it came off as she had some side eye. She was like watching, but one of the. You know how sometimes I eat breakfast and I'll. <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> like I'll I'll have breakfast at the table with the kids and they're talking and I'm just kind of looking at them, but I am just checked out. Because it's so early in the morning. <laughs> I feel that's the same vibe I'm getting. Yeah, from I know Beth. that stare. She's kind of zoning out. Because what's her name even walks over to her and is like, Beth? Beth, what's up? Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, Beth may or may not be queer. It's fine. All right. Anyway. So the guy that they invited to be like Beth's date. The pity guy. Is telling a story of this guy who killed his mom and dad with a pickaxe in this very room and then <laughs> took his father's hunting knife and went hunting for his sisters. Uh, wait, he doesn't say that yet. He just says that he went hunting and then Beth like gets weirded out by the story and she's like, oh, I need to excuse myself. And then John continues that room by room, he murders his entire family this was 13 or 14 years ago before the sorority bought the house. Upstairs, Beth is laying down in her bunk and dreams of a man stabbing through the top bunk and splattering blood all over her face. Then the rest of the group go up to wake her because she's screaming, and Beth says she's never had bad dreams before. She doesn't know why they're happening. The girls insist that she should sleep with them, that night and Tracy goes out to fix the lights. Craig surprises her from behind and says that they should spend the night in the teepee they set up earlier. <laughs> I originally skipped it in my notes because I was like, I'm not going to call out how like insensitive it is in today's world where it may not have been in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But it, it, there was an important scene that takes place in the teepee. So now we have to talk about it. So... Beth somehow recalls the killer putting the knife in the fireplace. I don't know if she dreamed this or I, what. I thought it was like a vision. Okay. 
and they crack it open to discover that she's telling the truth. We then cut to Dr. Lindsay, who is in her home. I also, I originally thought that he was going to go kill Dr. Lindsay before coming oh, really? to the house. Yeah. Why? Because like she was there when they... I guess because it was very... I No, I don't know. I guess because the whole thing felt very Halloween-y. Mm. And it seemed fitting that he might have a vendetta against his doctor or something. I get that. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Also loved her style. She was in this like pink suit. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Peak late 80s. Okay. So Dr. Lindsay calls the hospital and says that Robert Henkel, a.k.a. Bobby... The man who escaped uh, the hospital killed his whole family and left one girl behind. That girl now lives with her aunt and is in real danger. <laughs> uh, they also mention that he has scars by his ears. And the doctor says that he felt there was something he couldn't silence, even by killing. This is not addressed later at all. Do you think this is them trying to be deep with the movie? No, I... Well, maybe. I think it has to do with that psychic link that they're playing at. Like, that maybe... Or maybe he's hearing voices. I don't fucking know. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I love that they're trying to incorporate this level of telepathy or telekinesis or whichever the correct term is. And I feel like they should have dove a little more into that. Because they just gave us, like, a little hint of it here and there. They essentially made it seem to be, like, um, in Toy Story 4, stay with me, when Mrs. Potato Head loses her eye oh, underneath yeah. the dresser, <laughs> and she can see what's happening in Andy's room while simultaneously see everything that's happening around her. That is Beth, uh, Mrs. Potato Head. Right. And she can see everything that Bobby's doing while also living her own life. Like, talk to me. The hand. There's that connection. Yeah. Linda hypnotizes Beth. I don't know where she learned this, but she did. Real quick, though, Andy steps outside after Sarah walks him out, and he gets stabbed. So he's dead. And Bobby is now in the vicinity. Beth gets hypnotized. She sees herself as a little girl in the house, in the house that she's currently in. Mm -hmm. And she sees her brother Bobby hunting everyone. And she was in the basement. She says she was five years old at the time, and she went by the name Laura. She hid in a crawl space, and Bobby was, like, slicing the knife around and cuts the spot on her arm where she now has a scar. Somehow, no one is putting together the pieces of this story. Mm -hmm. John just literally told them all about a spooky story where right. this guy murdered his whole family in this house. They find the knife in the fireplace. Mm -hmm. The house, when she is hypnotized, looks exactly the same as the house she's currently in. And she doesn't wake up out of this like hypnotic state and go, hey, everybody, guess what? These houses <laughs> are the, the same. House. Yeah. Yeah. And then like she's like, oh, I went by Laura. She's they're not calling me by my name. But then later in the movie, she literally tells her friend, oh, yeah, by the way, my first name is Laura. I go by my middle name, which is Beth. Right. Like, why didn't she bring that up? Yeah. Why wasn't she like, oh, man, this, I'm Laura. And this, I think, is the scene where they go full, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, where when she gets cut yeah. in the dream, she gets cut in real life on her shoulder. So she doesn't get cut in real life. 
But okay. she that's where she had the scar. The scar, right, yeah. Yeah. Which again, like why wouldn't she put that together? Right, yeah. Oh my god, this made me so <laughs> mad. Like everybody just heard this spooky story that John told and no one's like, Wow, that sounds eerily similar to what you're saying now. Maybe we're in the murder house. You gotta shut off your brain. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Sarah theorizes that Beth is having a past life experience after saying that she remembers lime jello from when she was five. <laughs> Sarah's my favorite person in this movie, by right. the way. She had that kick ass fruit suit. Maybe she was wearing that because she remembers the lime jello. <laughs> Craig and Tracy make the TP. <laughs> I wrote, they make it worse by having sex in it. <laughs> <laughs> they tainted the TP. Oh, and then this gets even better because um, Sarah and Linda kind of hear screams from outside and Sarah brushes it off as Tracy's reaction to Craig's tomahawk. <laughs> <laughs> Your little giggle. <laughs> um, okay, so basically she's screaming because Bobby's stabbing through the teepee. And Craig runs off butt-ass naked <laughs> And Bobby ends up stabbing Tracy, and he calls her Susan. Craig gets back in the house. How did he get underwear? He was fully naked when he was running in the yard, and then he comes inside, and he suddenly has boxers on. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wondered maybe if they were, like, uh, around his ankles or something. I don't know, because he was running, like, full sprint, it looked like. Right? Yeah. There were no impediments at the ankles there. Man, good call. Anyway, so he runs in <laughs> naked. Everybody's just so accepting of the fact that he's naked. They're like, you're bleeding. <laughs> Craig, Sarah, and Linda try to call the police, but the line is cut. Meanwhile, John and Beth are asleep on the couch, and Bobby comes in searching for his knife. He already has a knife, but I guess from the store that he stole from. But I guess he wants, like, his knife. Yeah, it seemed very, like, a ceremonial object that he needed to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so then he, like, I think he switches it out, right? He puts his current knife on the mantle and then takes his father's hunting knife. Mm, um, yeah. In her dream, Beth walks through the house and discovers a painting of four little girls with stab marks that all start to bleed and there's just one little girl with a stab mark on the arm. Her own arm starts bleeding, and then she like goes to try to leave, but Bobby is in every doorway. A little too on the nose, don't you think? And she's still <laughs> not fucking piecing it together. I'm so mad at it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Beth wakes up, but John kicks it. The four remaining... College students, let's call them Craig, Linda, Sarah, and Beth, barricade themselves in an upstairs bedroom. Craig climbs out the window, but he ends up getting stabbed at the bottom. And then Bobby is climbing up while Linda is climbing down. So then there's this like race to get Linda back into the bedroom. And they do, but then Bobby's hands are on the window ledge. And they basically just slap his hands until he falls to the ground. It feels very home alone. It was just really funny because I think like the, I guess the sounds of them slapping 
and like punching his hands mm-hmm. like weren't really matching up with like oh yeah what they were actually when doing. i was watching it in my head when he fell from the window because it was there was like a slow motion shot of him falling i had the audio of like the wilhelm scream oh yeah <laughs> in classic michael myers fashion Bobby resurrects after his fall, and the girls head downstairs to get out the front door. Andy is alive. Sort of. Never mind. He like <laughs> wa- he walks through the door, and they're like, oh my god, Andy. And then he just falls to his death. <laughs> but then they think that Bobby's outside because Andy just walked in, mm-hmm. like, stabbed. And so they head back upstairs. Bobby then flies through the bedroom window, like, glass everywhere. I don't even know how he got up there because I think they threw the ladder off after he fell. Mm -hmm. Beth recognizes him just as the guy from her dream, not as her brother yet. I don't get it. She's like, oh, I know that guy. (laughs) I'm intrigued about that guy. (laughs) They head downstairs and out of the house through the garden gate, but suddenly he's slowly walking towards them. Sarah aka favorite character just for this line is like maybe we could get a like if we run we could get around him mm-hmm. and she's like why don't we just try to get around him and then they're like oh he's gonna get one of us if we try that like he's walking right it's just very halloween like the same arguments that you have like watching halloween where you're like just run like he's walking right just keep running like he's <laughs> not gonna catch up <laughs> So Bobby is honed in on Sarah. He keeps calling her Janet. We see from his point of view that it's actually a little girl and he is like reliving this fantasy or not fantasy, but he's like reliving when he killed all his sisters. Mm -hmm. Sarah unfortunately trips and he stabs her. So that's the end of my favorite character. Beth and Linda head to the basement and they hear approaching sirens. So they're like, oh, great. The cops are coming. Beth puts two and two together. Finally, that Bobby is the guy from John's story. She says that she thinks that she's one of his sisters and that this is when she tells Linda that her middle name is Beth and her name is actually Laura. Why why did you not put that together sooner? Listen, people don't think clearly when they are going through a traumatic experience like this. Valid. She also, I think, speculates that there's some kind of psychic link between them. I feel like that was hinted at. I don't know. I forget. I think she says something like, I feel like we're connected somehow. Then we see Dr. Lindsay again on the phone with the detective. And the detective is like, there's no sign of him at this house that you told us to go to. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, Yeah, well, I sent you to Beth's aunt's house, and uh, duh, he wouldn't have known that she lives with her aunt now. He would have gone back to the original house, you know, the one he killed all those people in. My bad. Where's your fucking degree, lady? Like, and I love how she's just, like, sitting at home, like, having her, like, fucking TV dinner and, like, coffee, and she's like, oh, my bad, like. There was no sense of Sorry if there's people dying. Like, so they hear him coming downstairs and they grab a shovel and a backhoe. One of them gets cut in the arm. I don't know who it was. They close the door and he stabs the knife like through the door. Um, And then Bobby heads towards Beth while Linda 
literally beats the shit out of him with a shovel and he's completely unfazed. Like he just keeps yeah. walking towards Beth while she's like berating his back with the shovel. Yeah, it would bounce off of him like he had body armor. So Beth flashes back to her childhood as Bobby raises the knife, but Linda smacks him in the head with the shovel and he finally collapses. She yells at Beth to get the hoe, which I thought was the funniest fucking line. She was just like, <laughs> the Beth, delivery. get the hoe, get the hoe. And then she gets it. And then they literally just like take turns. I think I'm saying literally, I think I've said that 25 times. I'm so sorry. They're just like beating him on the ground. He's like laying there and mm-hmm. they just take turns beating him with the shovel and the backhoe. And he's just like ragdolling it. Which is nice because you don't see that too much in horror movies. The movie like Zombieland, the double tap rule. Yeah. But I will say that this was kind of as light as their little hand slaps to get him <laughs> off the windowsill. Slap, slap, slap. They're like, oh, like hit him harder, Beth. Like, <laughs> and they're just kind of like, gingerly like yeah 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 they slowly make their way out of the home and bobby stabs linda in the back apparently she cannot hold on even though they hear sirens again bobby is still miraculously crawling on the floor alive and he takes the knife out of linda's back grabbing onto beth's ankles and there's a scuffle but Beth slash Lara grabs another knife and stabs him through the throat, which was pretty gnarly, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cops arrive just to everyone on the floor. Everybody's laying on the floor. And then we cut to Beth in the hospital with bandaged legs, and she tells the nurse that she's still having bad dreams. Suddenly, Bobby pulls aside the curtain with a bloodied face and says, Beth. She screams and wakes up with her aunt by her side, and that is the end of the movie. Wait, am I thinking of this wrong? Wouldn't he know her as Laura? Wouldn't wouldn't he just say Beth? Or... Laura. Laura. (laughs) When she goes to stab him, Mm -hmm. she's like, I don't go by that name anymore. That was her dramatic line. Right, right. Was like... I'm a new person. Oh, so he respected her enough to call her by her new name, but not enough to not kill her. Yeah. Right? Okay. Just, I want to make sure I got that. Okay. Wow. What a ride. (laughs) Your face. Oh. So I will say that this wasn't like as unhinged as Slumber Party Massacre 2, but it was exactly what i wanted out of the movie the only criticism that i had and just not in terms of like how quote-unquote good the movie was Mm -hmm. but just like what i wanted out of it i wanted a little bit more of like sorority like i wanted like more girls to be killed (laughs) it sounds so bad when i say it out (laughs) loud but i wanted a little bit of like black christmas black christmas is one of my favorite nostalgia movies right Um, it's a good one so i wanted a bit more of that i get that because i think there were like i don't know some crazy number like eight girls or nine girls in that Mm -hmm. movie that was the only department it was lacking in yeah i get that i liked black christmas because uh like you said there's there's a a greater number of people than in most horror movies and i feel like with with characters if you're in a group of people you feel safer and more protected right so then when you do get hurt or when they get picked off one by one it's that much more of a gut punch right um but yeah here's just very like 
I don't know. I, I feel like there is a line between paying homage to movies and then crossing that line and just like full on copying them to a point and just changing a little bit to say that, oh, we didn't copy them. It was completely different, Joe. It was in a sorority house. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was bored with this one. I guess I wanted more um, theatrical killings. Like I knew. I, yeah, that was. I was just gonna say that that the the murders felt really anticlimactic. Yeah. Wait. And uh, you wanna try that again? Anticlimactic. Please help me. <laughs> I think you're good there. Help, help me. <laughs> I knew what I was getting into with this movie and i was prepared to shut off my brain um but when you do that you want to stay focused and entertained with the movie yeah it's like an action movie where you're like oh i'm gonna turn my brain off but at least i want to see some explosions yeah and i knew i wasn't gonna have any sympathy for any of the characters so that kind of leaves very style over substance and okay like when you're watching Final Destination or any Saw movies, you're like, all right, I want to see all the wicked kills. And it was just just basic stabbing. I want unique stabbing. Stab, stab. <laughs> <laughs> all right, do you have a rating? I do. I, I'm going to go with a two and a half out of ten for this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, three. Yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, I don't know if I have any more thoughtful thoughts well i can't sit in this chair any longer so i will say real quick why do mental hospitals have the worst security right i feel like if you have a place where there's a high volume of i want to say unstable individuals are known to have like violent records aren't you aware that there's a staffing problem staffing in this economy in this economy (laughs) All right, well, if you'd like to watch this movie, it's on Tubi, and there are two more of these, by the way. So, also the third one is not called Sorority House Massacre 3. It's called Hard to Die. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it just sounds like like a diehard movie. Maybe at that point, it's so bad, it's good. It's hard to die. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to watch. All right. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Partners in Fright Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Fright Partners. And otherwise, we will see you next week with Joe's pick. My pick. I can't wait. I wish you guys could see this list of movies that we have on our spreadsheet. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so overwhelmed by the spreadsheet. I don't even pick off the spreadsheet anymore. Oh no! It's just gonna Joe keep looked growing. Like I- <laughs> it's gonna keep growing. Joe looked like I just broke we- <laughs> his soul. We gotta chip away at this. He was like, I- "Why are you not looking in the spreadsheet?" Okay, see, I'm the opposite. When I see this, I'm like, I'm hungry. I want to like. I looked watch at it all. and I was just overwhelmed. I was like, "There's too much on here," and so I just Googled. Okay, I add to this like pretty frequently. <laughs> oh my god. All right, well, everybody knows where Joe's picks are coming from, and now everyone knows where my picks are coming from. (laughs) Okay, and with that, we are signing off. Until next Tuesday. Love you.
You never said that to them before. Oh my god, I haven't. This, this is, is the my first, first time. time. Jinx. Oh god, <clears throat> I'm so nervous. I hope they love me back. All right, that's it. Bye.